You're listening to the podcast version of the Recruit of Talionis audiobook, book one in the Talionis series. I'm your narrator, writer, and host, award-winning author C.J. Malesi. Each week, we'll bring you further into the mysterious and dangerous dystopian world of Talionis and Bria's fight for survival. If you haven't been following along with us up until now, be sure to check out the previous episodes. Now, grab your favorite hot beverage and hold on tight as we dive back in. Chapter 21 I collapsed to the ground, ignore Sanchez's screams to get back into position, and scramble to my feet. I lunge toward where Laban stands several feet away. Two soldiers are jogging to the recruits' living quarters. Sanchez tries to grab me, but I sidestep her, and then I'm in front of Laban. What are you going to do with her? I ask, my strangled voice echoing fear I can't hold back. Laban's nostrils flare, but he whirls to face Sanchez, who stands beside me. Corporal Sanchez, didn't I leave this recruit in your hands while I saw to some business? He speaks through clenched teeth. Yes, sir, Sanchez says. His golden eyes crackle with anger. I'll deal with you later. Dismissed! She salutes and then leaves. If I wasn't so concerned about Storm, I might be afraid for the soldier. But she's a soldier, which means she must have chosen to be here. Storm did not. What are you going to do with Storm? I repeat the question, despising myself for how desperately I need answers from Laban, of all people. And like a shark smelling blood in the water, he senses it too. His lips curl into a grin. The littlest recruit can play a role in the commander's plan, just as well as the most difficult recruit. He tilts his head. Perhaps even more. Goosebumps rise on my skin. Leave her out of this. She's just a child. Oh, she's more valuable than that. His gaze focuses on something behind me, and he smiles. She may just lead us to a whole new source of recruits. My heart stops beating for a moment, then races as the impact of his words settles on my chest. They're going to train Storm, treat her like a recruit. If she does well, they'll bring in more kids. Eli and Zeke. And my aunt will be there to sell them off. Terror slams into me, more painful than a thousand hours in the sandpit. Bria! Storm's choked cry causes me to spin around. The two soldiers are pulling Storm toward Laban. Her cries intensify, and she reaches her small arms for me. Desperation spurs me into action. I run to her. Don't interfere, recruit! Laban says. A soldier steps into my path, blocking me from Storm. I punch the man in the face, all the force of my rage and fear behind my fist, and then kick him in the shin. He drops to the ground, and I move past him. Two other soldiers grab my arms. I resist, trying to pull away, but their grip only tightens. A crowd has gathered, but they part to let the soldiers and Storm pass through. Storm turns her little body around as much as she can, reaching for me, sobbing uncontrollably. No, this can't be happening. This is my fault. I failed her. I should have protected her, told her not to do anything to make them notice her. My rage turns into a weight of failure that settles onto my chest. It's okay, Storm. You'll be okay. I yell out the words of comfort, 
unable to believe them for myself. My mind is numb as I'm led, hands bound behind my back, into the tribunal. I'm being brought before the council on charges of assault since I attacked the soldier. It doesn't matter what my punishment will be. They took Storm away, and I have no way of knowing where she is or if she's even okay. Since Laban is involved, I fear the worst. I could have prevented this. I should have recognized they were evaluating her by the things she was telling me she was doing, but I missed all the signs. And now she's been taken away from everything and everyone she trusts. How could I have let this happen? The room I'm brought into has a dome ceiling and an elevated table that follows the curve along three sides of the room, dominating the space. I'm positioned in the center, the door to my back and the table engulfing my view. A soldier places metal straps around my ankles, securing me to the floor, and leaves me to stand alone in the cavernous space, waiting. An ornate clock on the wall ticks away the seconds. Over and over, the image of Storm sobbing and reaching for me as I took her away repeats in my mind. And now I wait for a punishment that will only keep her further from my reach. I hang my head. She trusted me, believed I would keep her safe, and I failed her. But why does that surprise me? I fail everyone. The door opens. I lift my head, but don't turn. Muffled voices filter in from the hallway as several men and women enter the room and take their places at the tribunal table. The council. The ones who will decide my punishment for an assault that I am not at all ashamed of. If they're expecting an apology, they won't be getting one. There are 15 members of the council. Many of them are unfamiliar to me, but I recognize Elva Trill, Colonel Keenan Valerius, Mandeville, and Sergeant Ander Valerius. The center chair is elevated higher than the other chairs. I didn't focus much during Instructor Trill's educational lectures, but I remember the one on disciplinary proceedings in Talionis. The council are the ones who dole out punishment for crimes committed against the laws of Talionis. The high council is the one no one wants to appear before. They're the only disciplinary proceedings in which the commander himself is present. They deal with high crimes against the state and against the commander. Every case brought before the High Council has resulted in execution. Laban enters and stands near me. I clench my jaw, wishing my hands were loose so I could wrap them around his neck. I'll never forgive him for terrifying Storm. At the same time, I hope terrifying her is all he's done. Colonel Valerius sits in the center chair and brings the proceedings to order. We've gathered the Council today to discuss disciplinary measures to be taken in the matter of recruit Bria Averton of Unit 6 and her assault against a soldier of Talionis. This action, witnessed by Sergeant Laban Meritas, will receive the punishment that is due. Colonel Valerius pauses and his cold and calculating eyes pierce me, pronouncing me guilty. I move for the punishment to be 24 hours in the ruins without food or water. The word ruins does a better job than anything else of pulling me from my numb stupor. He can't possibly be serious about sending me there. There's a slight gasp from one of the female members of the council. We need all the recruits we can get, Sergeant Valerius says. His brother glares at him, but the sergeant doesn't seem to care. She's skilled and could be useful to the commander. We just lost another squad of soldiers to the ruins last week. If you send her there, she'll die. Or she'll prove she's the kind of recruit we need, Sergeant Valerius shifts his attention to me. 
Averton, you have rejected every opportunity we have placed in front of you, hidden your skills, and now assaulted a soldier. Since it's clear you don't want to be here, let's see how you fare in the ruins. My mind tortures me with replays of every threat the soldiers made to send us to the ruins, all the things they've said about the place. I don't want any of it to be true, but I've seen the genuine fear in their eyes when they discussed it among themselves. Still remember their jumpiness when we flew over them our first day here. Soldiers far better trained and more skilled than me have gone missing or died there. This can't be happening. What have I done? Colonel Valeria stands and his gaze sweeps over the other members of the council. All in favor of Recruit Averton's punishment being 24 hours in the ruins? A massive black man with a shaved head stands first, and Mandeville and two others I don't know quickly follow suit, showing their consent. The rest move slower, but eventually all are standing, even Sergeant Valerius. Recruit Averton, your punishment is unanimously sealed by the laws of Talionis. It will be executed at 1800 hours. We will retrieve you from the ruins tomorrow at 1800 hours. He slams a gavel down onto the table. The sound echoes in my ears long after I'm led from the room. At 1800 hours, I'm led out of the detainment center and into the evening by a small entourage. Outside, recruits are lined up in formation, all eyes fixed on me. Soldiers stand at attention, lining the pathway from the door we just exited to the small transport that will take me to the ruins. I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't this. To be publicly humiliated as I marched past hundreds of recruits. Probably for the last time. Then again, why not show them what it looks like when you don't fall into line with Talionis and its commander? I lift my chin up a notch and keep my focus on the transport. No matter how terrified I am, I won't show it. Not to the soldiers and not to the recruits. It feels like it takes forever, but we finally arrive at the transport. Out of the corner of my eye, I catch sight of Ari. She's at attention in the front row of Unit 6. Too bad all her tech abilities can't help me in the ruins. A pang zips through my chest. Again, I'm being forced away from friends, people I care about, with no chance to say goodbye. This time, I get to see them, but it doesn't make it any better. Still, I focus on Ari give her a small nod. I catch sight of Nika and Cade. All three of them are grim. If only half the things the soldiers have claimed about the ruins are true, I'm in trouble, and they know it as well as I do. All right, let's get this over with, Laban says from the door of the transport. He addresses the crowd. Recruit Bria Averton has been sentenced to a stint in the ruins for assaulting a soldier of Talionis. Let this be a warning to all of you. Understood? Sir, yes, sir. The shout echoes through the air, pulsating through me. Laban orders four soldiers to board the transport with me, and none of them look pleased, but the two on either side of me remain in position, staring straight ahead. Sergeant Andor Valerius strides over and shoves a jacket into my arms. He stares down at me, his shaggy hair messier than usual. As an acknowledgement of your potential, you have been issued a jacket to protect you against the elements. His voice is a low murmur. I'll bring her on board, he says to the soldiers. They step away and Sergeant Valerius leads me up the ramp onto the transport. I've got it from here, Laban says. The two men eye each other. 
Leave her in the clearing on the south side, Sergeant Valerius says. Laban opens his mouth to protest. That's an order, Meritas, Sergeant Valerius says. Yes, sir, Laban growls. With that, Sergeant Valerius leaves, and they shut the transport door. Doesn't matter if you have a jacket or where I drop you in the ruins, Laban sneers. There's no way you'll survive this. With that, he barks orders to the soldiers, all of whom appear jumpy and agitated. I guess I'm not the only one who's anxious about entering the ruins. At least they don't have to stay there. I put the jacket on as the transport takes off. The front folds across my body and zips up my left side. I want to pretend it's an added layer of protection, that it will deter whatever I'm about to face, but it's a foolish thought. We travel for about ten minutes before crossing over the fence that separates the ruins from Talionis. As soon as we pass the border, the pilot begins weaving an erratic path, turning left, then right, bringing the transport higher, then dropping us low. I fall into a seat. Pilot Jones! Laban shouts, reaching for an overhead support to steady himself. Why are you taking evasive action? Protocol, sir, the pilot says. Something took out a small transport a couple of weeks ago. We're still unsure of what it was, but to be safe, they instruct every transport below certain specifications to take evasive action when entering the ruins. The soldier near me inhales sharply, her face pale. My stomach lurches when the pilot makes a sudden drop, and I grip my armrests. At the moment, I'm not sure if I'm more afraid of the ruins or dropping from the sky with the way the pilot is flying this thing. A few minutes later, the transport descends and hovers a few feet above the ground of a small clearing. Get her up! Laban paces the transport, looking out all the windows. There's something about his actions that's surprising, and I realize what it is. He's nervous. I'm yanked to my feet by two soldiers, and Laban opens the door. He grabs my arm, presses a button on my wristband, clips a lock over the clasp, and then scans it with his device. Now we'll know where to find your body when we come to pick you up, he says. Without letting go of my arm, he leads me to the door. Enjoy your stay. With that, he pushes me out of the transport. It's only a few feet to the ground, but I land with a hard thud. Before I have the chance to get to my feet, I hear the whirring of the transport lifting. It leaps into the air and resumes its erratic flight pattern until it's out of sight. I stand in the silence that follows in a small clearing surrounded by trees that rise ominously to the sky, thorny vines wrapping themselves around their trunks. The limbs of the trees jut at odd angles, threatening arms waiting to grab anyone who would dare intrude. An odor, like rotten eggs and moldy cabbage, infuses the air. I pull the collar of my jacket up and bury my nose in it, but the smell seeps through. I gag. Night is falling, the increasing darkness making the shadows of the forest grow in length until they begin to slowly capture the clearing. The temperature has dropped since I boarded the transport. I shiver, sink down to the ground, and wrap my arms around my knees. There is no way I'm going into those woods. My mind races with the things I've heard about this place, the things I witnessed during the tour we had on our first day here. The collapsing buildings, the spontaneous fires... I clench my hands into fists and draw my knees in closer to my body. Plus, there are all the stories the soldiers tell the recruits. Based on Laban's nervousness alone moments ago, somehow I know each story is true. A dog howls in the distance, and I shiver again. 
Maybe if I can sleep, I'll be able to keep myself from playing out every possible scenario that ends in my death. I curl into a ball on the ground, skeptical. This will never work. There's no way I'll be able to sleep out here. I close my eyes anyway. I hope you're looking forward to continuing the story next week and finding out what happens with Bria and her friends. If you just can't wait, you can purchase the full audiobook wherever audiobooks are sold starting October 6, 2023. If you're on the hunt for other great books, discover more epic, clean, young adult reads on the Read Clean YA with CJ podcast. Recruit of Talionis was written and narrated by CJ Malacy, and I can't wait to continue this journey with you next week.